Morning, Church. Um, Ellen asked me to share the testimony of my little twin granddaughters. And many of you know, because many of you have been praying, and I really praise the Lord for that. Um, on the 1st of September, my son and daughter-in-law had twin girls, Ruby and Laura. And they were born seven and a half weeks prem. And that was because they were, had the same placenta, and the one was greedy, and having taken too much nutrition, and the other one was lagging behind, so they decided they'd be better out than in. So they seized her, and out came Ruby and Laura, 1.7, I think, and 2.2. And they were both in incubators, and we were praying much for them. Um, Ruby went from, the big one, went from strength to strength, and um, within about two and a half weeks, she was drinking properly and, and came home. But during that time, before, when they were both in, I just want to say it was a, it was a very, very special time. Jade and I would, um, I went down after about a week, Jade and I would go into hospital in this warm, warm um, prem unit, and we'd sit, they do what they call kangaroo care which means that the babies in the prem unit, they don't have clothes on. They're in the incubators with pups and, you know, wires and things. So you take this little baby with no clothes on and you put them down your chest so it's skin to skin. They call that kangaroo care. And you just, it's just was such a special thing to be able to sit there praying for these tiny little babies. Um, but anyway, after about two and a half weeks, Ruby went home which had its own problems, because if you can imagine for a mother, one baby at home, one baby in hospital, you know, where do you go? So we'd take it in turns to go to hospital or stay with the babies. Little Laura just didn't, wasn't doing well. She, she couldn't seem to suck um, and swallow. Um, and every time they tried, she would gag, and it seemed to go into her airways, and it was just a real problem. And they, they kept saying, oh, it's a maturity thing, it'll come right, it'll come right. And they just kept feeding her by tube. Um, all breast milk, because um, she was um, expressing lots and lots of milk all the time, poor old Jade. Um, and then after quite a long time, um, they said, no, no, she's, now she's got hernia. So she had to have a little up, a double hernia up. And... In fact, a week later, they decided Ruby also had hernias, and she had to come back into hospital and have the same op. But Laura, um, after, after those, the op, she was fine, but she still couldn't swallow. She couldn't drink. And so they decided they were going to do a scope and, put it, and see what was going on. So that was a Wednesday, like four, four, four and a half weeks ago, I think, um, Ruby had her up, and, and so I went back to Cape Town. I'd been there for three weeks, come back, and then went back to Cape Town. Um, and the, in the meantime, we had a lot of prayer. There are a lot of people in this church praying. We had people in England praying. We had people in Zimbabwe praying. We had people in Australia praying. We had, it just seemed that everyone was praying for this little girl. Um, and they did the scope, and they saw a narrowing of the esophagus, but in the meantime, they're pushing the scope down, they damaged the esophagus. So um, she came out, and she was in terrible pain. They were giving her um, about four different antibiotics. This little baby was breathing shallowly, shallowly, just holding her. The day before I came home, it was this, um, Saturday, 
I remember just holding this baby for about an hour, and she was, <gasps> you know, and, and her little face all screwed up, and she was in pain. It was really horrible. And then I had to come, I was booked to come back Sunday morning, very, very early, came back. When I got home, we got the, the, the um, Jade phoned and said, look, she's now got pneumonia, um, and they're putting a, a drain into her, and they can't find a vein, so they're putting all the wires into her head, and um, we got these pictures of all, you know, it, it was just horrible, and I just broke. It was, what was about five, six, five, six weeks. I just broke, and, and that day I just cried and cried and cried before the Lord, and I, for the first time I faced the fact that maybe Laura wasn't going to make it, and um, I felt in myself I had to actually give Laura to the Lord. And I had this picture of just holding this little baby up to the Lord. And the, this, the verse that the Lord gave me was, I will sing over her with joy. And, and so I just held on to that. But I still didn't know whether she was going to make it. And that evening, it was the, the praise and worship evening. And I, I felt the Lord saying, you've got to praise me now. So I came. I didn't feel like coming. I, but I forced myself to come and praise the Lord. And I sat here and cried the whole way through. And then, Mary Ellen, you brought that same verse. I don't know if you remember that night. You brought the same verse, I will sing over you with joy. And, you know, something broke in me that day in my heart. And I felt that the Lord, he was either going to take her home with perfect healing or else he was going to heal her. And then two days later was a Tuesday, and I know that um, the group, Anne, and, and um, they prayed. And Anne had the word from, and said to Satan, so far, no more. We won't take it, no more. And they prayed a lot for Laura. And from that, those, that time, I don't know at the point the Lord healed her, but from then the news just started getting better. The, the, the pneumonia went by the Thursday, they'd taken the drain out. The, um, but they, they were still waiting, supposedly, for the esophagus to heal. So they said no oral feeding at all. She was just still being tube-fed, and we were waiting two weeks, and then we'll do another scope and see if the esophagus is healed. But I felt in my spirit she was healed because all the news was good. Her breathing was better, her color was better, and the pneumonia went. So... Um, they had waited two weeks, and on Wednesday last week, they did a barium swallow. This was the third one she'd had. And oh, the other thing she'd had is very bad reflux, and they were talking about doing a reflux operation as well. So when they did this barium swallow, the esophagus was totally healed. There was no sign of reflux. There was, everything seemed fine. She was healed. <laughs> So they brought her out from the theater, and they tried her with a bottle for the first time in about four weeks. She had anything pass through her mouth, and um, she drank it, <laughs> swallowed. So two days later, she went home. I mean, <laughs> so, um, so I, just, I just praise the Lord for that, and I want to just give him all the glory. And, and you know, sometimes we have to get to the point of giving up you know, and it's a hard thing to do, you know. Um, and yet the Lord came through, and, and she's fine. Now, now the difficult time starts with the two twins at home. It's, it's absolute chaos. And a toddler. So, 
we could still pray for them. Those Laura and I mean, yeah, Laura and Ruby are the babies, and Jade and Tim are, are the, the adults, and Ezra. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4, verse 23, reading from the Passion Version. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect All that you are. Pay attention to your innermost being, to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of life. In our home group, we've been doing Colossians. And one of the things, one of the scriptures, it it ended up with this. It's in, in in the newsletter. It says, therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And I just love that word, abounding in thanksgiving. And it has the implication of a river overflowing its banks and the water just blessing the land in in, in abundance. It's overflowing. And we need to be a community who overflows with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. We sang that song a little bit earlier on. comes from probably 1968 or something. It's a wonderful song, and we rejoice in the Lord always. We rejoice in the Lord always. We're singing scripture there. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth, worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What a powerful scripture. I mean, Manda read large chunks of uh, John chapter 6. Scripture brings life. We need to be reading the scriptures and imbibing them and chewing on them and, and making them a part of our lives. And, and that's as, as I was wondering what, to, wondering what to pray, it was this guarding our hearts. The Passion Version puts it this way, be cheerful with joyous celebrations in every season of life. Let joy overflow for you are, you are anointed with, you are united with the anointed one. 
Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. You need money for your kid's party. Reach it. <laughs> then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ Jesus. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Now I want you to go home, and I want you to read that every day this week. Read Philippians 4, 4 to 9, every single day. Let the words take root in your heart. Let them change your lives. Let them change your perspective. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. That's what we call to. We call to be a people who rejoice. Are you rejoicing today? If we read Luke chapter 21, if you, I'm not going to read the whole of Luke 21 today. But if we have a look at that, it's looking at the end times. And uh, the end times are quite scary. Jesus foretells of the destruction of the temple in, in Luke 21. He foretells of wars and persecution. Jesus foretells of destruction and of, of Jerusalem and the loss. But then he also says, the Son of Man is coming. The coming of the Son of Man. And Luke 21 verse 25 to 28. And these will be the signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring seas and waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the Lord. For the powers of heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Raise your heads, because your redemption draws near. Lift up your heads. I want us to lift up our heads as you've written. It's listened. Have you listened? Have you, as you've, I don't know, have you been listening to the news this week? Not much good news. Mayhem, murder, adultery. War, rumors of war, famine, floods. That's, that's the context in the world in which we live. And that's the end times in which we live. And so we shouldn't really be taken by surprise. And the Lord encourages us and says, now when these things begin to take place, 
Straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption joys draws near. You, you're going to go and be with the Lord sometime soon. Amen. amen. I know Jonathan would say amen to that one. Lift up your head. Why can we lift up our head? Why can we be a people who have confidence in the midst of turmoil? Because we know the end of the story. We know the author who wrote the book, who wrote the scriptures, and the scriptures promise that at the end, what is it going to happen at the end? Go and read uh, uh, Revelation 21 and 22. I'm going to read a bit, of, bit more scripture. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Sorry for the surfers. I'm not sure the implication of that. And I saw the holy city, new Ju- the new Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of, of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let's get excited by that. Let's take hope by that. Let's take hope from what uh, uh, Paul is saying in, in, in Philippians 4 verse 4. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says it twice in like a few verses. Didn't he think we could get it the first time? He says it twice because he's wanting to emphasize that he's wanting us to be a people who rejoice because the Lord is at hand. Because the Lord is always with us. This is a command. This is a command from God. I, when I look at it and I see this command, I think, well, it's not really a command. When I see the commands, they are, they tend to be, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not uh, uh, envy. All those uh, commands seem quite heavy. But this one says, rejoice. So as you're sitting here, some of you have a natural disposition, a personality which naturally looks at the sunny side of life. Isn't there a song? Do you want me to sing it? How does it go? No. (laughs) There are others of us who tend to be focused on what is wrong and what is negative. The pessimistic outlook of life. Or do you have an optimistic outlook of life? This joy that God gives us, this rejoicing, has got nothing to do with personality. It has nothing to do with circumstances. When Paul is saying this, and he's saying it from prison. His circumstances are not that good. But he's calling us to rejoice. And he's saying, in prison. And what happened? The prison doors opened. The chains fell off. Janet came on that Sunday evening. She came to worship in the context of not knowing how the twins were going to be. Whether they... whether. Uh, Laura, Laura was going to make it. And yet she came and she came to the house of worship and she worshipped. And in the worship, the Lord answered her and the, the same scripture came up. 
It's important for us to be in the house of worship. It's important for us to gather together on a Sunday and worship our King. And to encourage each other to, to go, go, go on in the Lord. To walk in the Lord. To hear testimonies, to hear stories, to hear the scriptures. Because we are in this together. We're in this together. So why is Paul rejoicing? Why is Paul encouraging us to rejoice? It's not because you're naturally a smiley person. It's because of what we have in the Lord. It's because of who we are in Jesus. Do you remember? Do you know what you have in Jesus? Do you know your very breath, your every breath is from Him? So I want you to take a deep breath. That breath is from God. Do it again. Every breath we have is a gift from God. And he gives it to me. And he's giving me another one. And he's going to give you another one. Someday he won't give you another one. (laughs) But our very life, the source of our life is in him and him alone. And he is high and lifted up. And Jesus is in the temple, seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven, seated. And from the temple, what is flowing Life is flowing. And we need to tap in to that life. And we need to know that life. We have everything we need. Everything we need to live a life of godliness. We celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ today. He died for us because He loved each one of you. And because He he did that, He came and died and rose again. And he walked around with the, with the disciples for a, for a little while. And then he went up to heaven because it was far better for him to go and be with the Father because then he could send the Holy Spirit. And he sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us. And so it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Do you realize that today? That's the only hope of glory I have. I get a little bit of glory on a Saturday afternoon or a Friday afternoon when I play some tennis and win. There's a bit of glory. It doesn't always happen. But I'm going to have glory forever and ever because of what Jesus has done, because Christ is in me. We've got it good. We have got it good. I'm going to go back to that line, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When was the last time you really rejoiced? You really just had a great sense of excitement. And, and when was the last time? Every day. I oh, so I like that. Every single day. And we're rejoicing in Him. Sometimes we rejoice when, when something good happens in our families or, or something, and we rejoice that. But every day, we rejoice in Him. And then it says, let your reasonableness be made known to man. Let your gentleness be made known to man. Don't fly off the handle when something goes wrong. Don't be in meltdown. Why? Because we are rejoicing people. We are people who have the joy of the Lord in us. Imagine if at the office this week, 
or the, or the school that you're teaching at. There's this bubbling joy in your, in your heart. And it's because of your walk with Jesus. It's because of your intimacy with Jesus. Imagine, imagine how it will impact those people. And things will go wrong. And there will be news headlines which will uh, be negative and, and tend to get you a little bit down. And yet you will, you will be gentle and kind. And, and, and you'll be just in peace. Because you are in a relationship. When you're in love, think back. <laughs> think back to when you were first in love and how much you would want to, you would do everything you could to be in that person's presence that you loved. It really didn't matter what was happening in the rest of the world, providing you were with them and you were having fun with them and you were enjoying them. You, you, were, you were happy. Maybe your car might have broken down or you, you, were, you were battling financially or whatever it is, but you had found the love of your life. And, and he or she loved you back in return. Wow, how exciting is that? Think back to that. When we are in that state, we don't care really what's happening in the, in the world. Atomic bombs can be going off, but uh, hey, I'm in love and, and I'm loved. And that's who we are in Jesus. And then he puts us another command, full of commands, this verse. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't, yeah, don't, that's right. Don't worry about anything. We have an echo from the gallery. Don't, don't worry. Are you worried about something now? I want a show of hands. Anybody worried about anything now? You're too scared to put your hands up. You're worried about putting your hand up. <laughs> Imagine if you did not worry about anything for the rest of your life. Just imagine that. Imagine how much people would like to be around you. You would be one of those perfect people to hang around. I want you to walk away from this place, knowing that you don't have to worry again for the rest of your life. That would be amazing. That is amazing because Christ is in me. Because when we've heard this message, we're going to know that we don't have to be anxious about anything. Why? Because we know how it's going to end. We know the Lord is near. So Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. There's, a, there's a, something which we need to do. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if, you, is any, if there's any concern or worry, what you do is you present your request to God. With what? With thanksgiving. Why can I be thankful? Because I'm giving it to God. This burden that I'm carrying, I don't have to labor with it for my whole life. This burden of, of whatever it is you're carrying. We can come to the Lord and we can, He can take our burdens. His, his yoke is light and easy. His, light, his, his burden is light and easy. In everything, make our requests known to God. 
So how does this work? How does this work in your life? How has it worked in my life? I get anxious. But Yahweh says, do not be anxious. So the solution is, give it to Jesus, give it to God. When you ask somebody to complete a task for you, maybe a task like you're in the office and you ask somebody to photocopy some important documents, they need to be sent off to the deeds office and they need to be certified. And you tell the person to do that, you say, Anthony, I want you to do that. Now, it's very important that these documents get there. There's a, there's a, it'll be uh, catastrophic if they don't. It'll, be, it'll cost the company millions. After you've given the command, do you worry that Anthony will do it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you phone him in five minutes and just check how's it going? And then ten minutes later, has it all been stamped and has it been sent off? Has the courier got it? Yeah, sometimes you might worry. You might, you might be concerned. It really depends on who you give the task to. If you've given the task to Val, you know that the task is going to be done. I don't have to worry about it because she is faithful. She is hardworking. She is diligent. And it will get done. Don't ask for a salary increase this week. <laughs> when we give our cares and our concerns and our anxiety and our, our stuff to Jesus, to God, He is faithful. He is the one who created the heavens and the universe. He is the one who's promised to take care of us. So we can relax and know that it is done. It is not always done how we would want it to be. It doesn't always happen like uh, Zolani happened, it happened to Zolani. He gave the care and suddenly some money popped in. There was an envelope and there was money in it. But God answers. And God knows you and knows me and knows what's best for us. And so we have a faithful God. We have a faithful God. So we need to give all the stuff in your life to Him. What with thanksgiving? What goes when you are stressed? What is the thing that goes when you are stressed, when you are grumpy? It's peace. It's thanksgiving. You're not, you're not giving thanks for anything. And yet the Scripture, time and time again, says that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. We are to abound with thanksgiving. And it's because of Jesus. I'm excited today. And I'm going to be excited tomorrow. And I'm going to rejoice tomorrow. And you can ask my wife next week if I was rejoicing. Because I'm going to rejoice in Him. You just rejoice in Jesus. 
That's what the scripture says. Look at Janet. What could she do? One of the problems we have in our lives, I have, is I want to be in control. I want to make sure that everything's done and right, even in the service. And I, I, I. So as I was preparing this, I was thinking, Lord, Lord, forgive me. I, I, I need to be in control. And if I need to be in control, then there's a lot of stuff that I'm not in control with. Janet wasn't in control about the twins and their situation. All she did was she came to worship. And it wasn't easy, but she rejoiced, she worshipped, she gave thanks, she prayed, and the Lord heard her prayer. So we've got to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Throw, it up to, throw everything up to God, trust in Him. He's got it. God has got it. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's biting his nails. Saying, uh, well, I didn't see that happening. Whoops. That caught me unawares. No. He's not worried about your situation and my situation. He's interceding for us. Somebody said. He's engineering the circumstances that we might be conformed into the image of His Son. You and I might become like Him. That's it. Philippians 4 verse 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the result. The result of rejoicing, the result of handing everything over to God is that the peace of God will transcend all understand, understanding. And it will guard your hearts. I started off, the scripture was, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. The result of unbelieving prayer is that the peace of God will stand like a sentinel upon your hearts. It's a military word for standing on God. There's a sentinel standing on God. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Just know that. Peace is the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus in you. So I can have peace. You can have peace. That's what's guarding us. That's what's guarding our our hearts is the peace of God. Go back and read these verses. Are you anxious? Go back and read these verses. And Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. There's a battle. There's still a battle that's going on. And so if we go through all these steps, we go through Thanksgiving and we, hand over, we pray and we hand things over to God and we, and we, get the, we, have, a, we have a peace. 
How many of you have done this? And we've probably all done it and many times. And we've come away from the throne room, throne room and we've, we've, we've worshipped him and we've, we've got lost in him and we've given him it all. And two hours later, a thought comes into our minds and, and we're back to where we were before. We have to take every thought captive and make it obedient. We have to dwell on things, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. We need to let our minds be washed in that. The scriptures are very, very practical, very practical. My hope is that wherever you're at, as you rejoice and you live in the peace of God, that those around you would see that. And they would know that it's not natural. It's actually supernatural. This not to be anxious is a supernatural thing. It's a thing of knowing that Jesus is in you. So whatever's happening, and the people at work would say to you, how can you have peace when it's all going south? How can you have peace? And they will see that peace in you. And you can say it's because Jesus. Because Jesus is my Lord. Because Jesus is my Savior. And my prayers, their response would be, Yeah, I want some. I want some of that. I want a heavenly father like you have. I want a heavenly father who portrays grace. So a few weeks ago, I was driving home. Five o'clock in the afternoon. And I get a phone call from Anthony or a missed call. And just in my spirit, I knew that something was wrong. And he'd had a crash. He aquaplaned down the highway just, just across, the, across the way here, just before the footbridge. Again. And how do I respond to that? How do I respond when I get there? Do I respond with anger? And the cost, and you, it all mounts up. And Okay, this time I'm going to make sure he pays it all. He's going to pay all the excess. He's got to learn. Or are we going to offer grace? How are we going to rejoice and give thanks that he wasn't hurt at all? Amy, run over by a car last week. What's our response to that? Maybe we need to be praying a little bit more, all the car stuff. 
But when I see her, her reaction, and it's a week later, and she's rejoicing in Jesus. It hasn't got her down. I think in the, in the, in the midst of the, of the accident and going to hospital, and you see her laughing, there's a combination of the joy of the Lord and, and uh, just the, the panic of the situation. <laughs> but we're rejoicing in all circumstances. And how do we as a family respond to that? It's quite clear today. Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in His grace. Do you know today God loves you madly? God died for you. Having died for you, won't He give us everything else we need? And because of that, Sarepta, we can be a people who rejoice. Rejoice in the King. I don't know whether Eric is around. Can we just rejoice and do that same song again? I don't know. Yeah, Lord, uh, we take authority over Satan getting in to this family in any way. We know that they are uh, they are good fodder for f- Satan, and we stand around them in faith, and we take authority, and we say, thus far and no further with any car things with the Blackmans. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs>